No matter in life what you try to do, you're dead too. Hello, and welcome to You're Dead Too, the podcast about our shared inevitable demise. I'm your host, John Toyson, and with me on the podcast today is nobody. Uh, this week, I actually did not want to line up a guest. I wanted to talk to everybody, talk to the audience directly and say thank you for listening. I appreciate it. It means the world that anybody would take time out of the day to listen to something as clearly unpleasant as this. I should uh, clarify that when I say unpleasant, I don't mean that I in any way am digging down or uh, being self-diminishing, but the idea that death is difficult to talk about because, frankly, I forget that, and it's a part of who I am and what I'm doing that I've gotten very comfortable with it. I just want to say thank you for taking time to do so just because it's not the easy thing that I think it is. I am oddly comfortable with examining this subject matter and I know for other people it can be a real stone wall to get past. It's unpleasant. It's it's a reminder of everything that's going to end. It's a reminder of the futility of life. It's a reminder of the shortness of our accomplishments that that we as people don't feel comfortable looking past the end um it's really been an educational experience for me to to dig into this and to figure out what's happening because i don't uh i don't have any answers you know i've learned plenty from talking to people i've had my own experience in life but it's not some mathematical equation to get a bunch of answers you know, I don't, uh, I don't claim to know. No, it's unpleasant. It's, it's a subject matter that really drives people away quickly. I am finding out as kind of an interesting social experiment when I reach out to people who responds and who doesn't, uh, who responds in what way and how they get back to me. You know, it's not somebody who doesn't respond to me will apologize and, you know, come up with some excuses. And I always have to tell the person, no, it's it's okay. You don't have to... I know that what I'm talking about is basically like, hey, let's take all of your shit and make it public. Let's take all of your embarrassing stuff and tell everybody about it. And that's not what we're doing here. It is one of the deepest, most core insecurities that people have is we're going to die. But that's not what I'm doing here. And I just like talking to people. Having met with somebody recently that is a future guest coming up, I'm really, really excited to have some of these guests on that we're, that we're going to have here. I'm realizing about myself that I'm a very open person and I don't shy away from what might otherwise be perceived as embarrassing or in any way less than flattering. I, I try to be authentic to who I am and not be... Um, duplicitous in my regular life or in my daily life and just try to be as me as I can without feeling like I'm making other people in the world sacrifice for me. You know, there's this balancing act of um, selfishness and selflessness that I want to make sure that I'm pushing myself as a person to be good and to be giving and to increase the amount of happiness in the world to a point that I'm pushing myself for a bit of sacrifice because it's, I don't think life is just about as much as you can take and that's it. Just take, 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 take. I think that there's really a level of you need to give back to the world. One of the things that I've always struggled with is why is there anything and not nothing? Why is any of this here? And I, I, I get no further. It's that's That's a stonewall for me. That's a logical trap that I can't 
I can't see my way out of that paper bag. You know, it's it's not something that I can examine in a way that I'm capable of. I don't know that I I can try to dig into that, but it just my mind kind of shuts down because it's so abstract that I I really I kind of I work at getting it, but I, I just I'm not there yet, and maybe I never will be. That's fine. But uh, first and foremost, as I was saying. Thank you for listening. I recognize this is unpleasant. I've learned a fair bit about my friends and my family and the people that I've had on. I've learned uh, people are in some ways much more at peace with this subject matter than I have ever granted myself. I've learned that I have really high levels of anxiety, certainly in comparison to some other people in my life, that it's uh, it's not me blowing smoke for my therapist or people in my life that think I just need something to kind of grasp onto for a sense of self no I really (laughs) it's a bummer that I've met other people and realized oh you don't have the same problem I do like this is actually a problem shit okay well that's why I work at it and that's why I try very hard to be present and in the moment and and I have uh for the last couple of months the lock screen on my phone hasn't been what you would anticipate to be the traditional photo of my daughter which hey kiddo um if you're listening to this in the future i'm sorry for all of this <laughs> if uh if you see my phone it's just a lock screen that says um it's a lock screen that says it's a reminder that says stop thinking calm down be nice to yourself the be nice to yourself actually isn't spaced properly so the f cuts off so it's not formatted properly and it's a reminder every single time i look at it of things will not be perfect you have to accept the reality for what it is and just shut up just calm down it's going to be okay things will continue on whether or not i worry about them i've learned from friends does worrying help anything in some cases it might Uh, there is a point where it becomes excessive and no longer beneficial to anyone and i'm working on that what i'm looking for in the future um, aside from what i'm looking to accomplish in the future is just to widen the net you know to really talk to more people to find out more about humanity i've talked to a lot of people who are in my own peer group you know i tried to get a bit out of my own comfort zone but as i get more comfortable doing this period talking to people and talking on mic and putting it out there for the world I want to ensure that I'm pushing myself more to get more info, to get out of my comfort zone and to to talk to people who aren't exactly the same as me. You know, I've I've got my own cultural baggage and um, general station in life that I'm talking to a lot of people like that, and I don't think that's going to be beneficial beyond a certain point. I want to be able to talk to people who have... Um, unique perspective so if you know anybody uh if you're listening to this and you think you know this john really needs to talk to this person and do this and uh it would be so fascinating to hear how he would interact with this person by all means please let me know send an email to your dead two at gmail.com y-o-u-r-e-d-e-a-d-t-o-o at gmail.com or find me on twitter or instagram at your dead two let me know I'm not going to know unless I just stumble across them in my own research and digging, so I can easily get siloed just because of my own expectations and understanding of the world around me. So it's definitely, please, tell me if there's somebody you think I should talk to. I'd be more than happy to do so.
So knowing that I don't have a guest this week, I wanted to share some stories and perspectives on things that aren't normally going to come up in the course of the regular podcast and have a chance to share some things that might not get asked, frankly. You know, if I don't have somebody on who knows about these experiences for me, I can't organically bring them up in a conversation and force them in. So I want to be able to share my own uh, my own perspective on these things, these events in my life, because um, as much as I might be comfortable digging in with somebody else and I'm comfortable sharing, there are events that, like I said, they just might not come up and I don't want them to just be lost forever. So I thought I would share them and, you know, preserve them for whatever they might be of benefit for. Maybe it's just a reminder to myself in the future. Maybe it's somebody in my family wanting to hear this. Who knows? Stop self-justifying and just talk, right? So I thought what I would do after having kind of given the, the verbal update and the thank you and everything is uh, talk about some deaths that I've experienced um, as well as some ghost stories and then what I think is kind of an inciting moment for all of this. What I really, <laughs> like if you were looking at this as why am I fascinated by this? What is it about this that that I find to be a concept that I can just kind of mull over and kind of just keep chewing on and like a dog with a bone, just not give this up. I just really feel like there's something here I've got to unpack and um, dig into. So first, the formative moment. I have two brothers, one older, one younger. I'm the middle child. That should probably not be a surprise to people listening to this. If they know much about sibling dynamics, it should be pretty apparent that I'm the middle child. I want to keep everybody happy. I want to keep everybody moving along and like, hey, everything's cool, right? We're good, everybody. We're fine. Um, older brother and I were obviously, not obviously, older brother and I were combative and uh, wrestled and, you know, fought with each other in the healthy, playful way that two brothers would. And there comes a point where you become just physically large enough and adult enough that it's no longer quite the simple, like, rolling around and punching each other and just kind of, like, being kids, play fighting and wrestling, whatever. So I think my older brother was, man, he must have been early teens, and I was still too, like, he couldn't have been, see, I know that we were in the old house growing up, so I would have been, I think maybe 7th or 8th grade, so what is that, like 13 or 14, 14, yeah, 13 or 14, and we were rolling around wrestling, whatever, I just, <laughs> Two, two boys just punched each other. Uh, younger brother was around but not involved in this altercation. Um, and at some point, he got me in a sleeper hold to see if he could make me pass out. And it kind of worked. Like, I, at that point in my life, had never really been, like, knocked out. And I don't think I'd had any kind of sedative, you know, medically... Um, so basically my experience of ever going unconscious was just being tired and falling asleep. And the idea that somebody could force on you a state of unconsciousness, like I felt my world go gray 
I felt my vision slipping away and going into a tunnel and like, oh my God, this is it. And it really freaked me out. Like it was a genuine, like I went from struggling to get out of it and kind of laughing to, oh my God, no panic. And like going from kids playing with each other, the way you think of like dogs just kind of playfully biting at each other. I went from that to like blind panic, trying to just claw my way out of the sleeper hold. And, uh, it like really shook me and woke something up of, you know, my systems coming online of like, what was that? That, that's, that, that was different. That was not sleep. That was, I could feel everything ending. What was that? Um, and it was just, it's, it's dumb. Not dumb. It's, it was something as simple as being put to sleep it was a sleeper hold it's not some traumatic thing but it was just this first isolated incident that I could put my finger to to say oh there's there is being and there is not being you know it was this binary switch and it kind of messed with my head it felt like a traumatic thing at the time and in hindsight I don't think it was but it was that first moment of oh whoa I There is a, it's not sleeping. It's not slipping off into just peaceful slumber. There's this like shutting down was weird. Um, After that, I mean, things were totally fine. It was just, we were, you know, goofing off and wrestling and it got a little too intense and then went back to playing video games or whatever. And I don't know. But, uh, until I got through college, I remember not doing well with taking a nap or like intentionally falling asleep because conceptually it just seemed weird. Like it, it was not something that I was comfortable with of like, all right, when does that demarcation point of conscious and unconscious, where does that go? Where does that, okay, so I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to put my head down. I'm going to calm down and start breathing and just like, okay, and now, but now I'm still awake and now I'm still awake. No, not yet not yet. And it it took like concerted effort for me to learn how to nap basically. Uh, since then it's become the best thing. Napping is like the best thing as an adult, especially having had a child. Uh, the comedian Pete Holmes pointed out in his latest stand-up special that yeah, as a new parent, you don't get much sleep, but the best part of getting sleep is going to sleep. And if a child wakes you up and you have to go back to bed, all right, that's fine. You get to you get the moment of collapsing into bed and having your head hit the pillow and just kind of that's that's a much happier, healthier relationship with sleep that I have now. Um, I I'm still fascinated by sleep and you know consciousness and what it is for a person to be alive and online and you know, but that's. That was for me a very formative, oh, there's there's on and there's off. And it's not just, there's a difference between sleep. It was like this third state of like, oh, going offline. Um, so I don't know. That was, that was a, you know, part of my formative years that seemed to have an impact, I think, on my understanding of being aware and alive and, uh, what it means to be awake. I don't know. Maybe that doesn't make any sense to anybody else, but that was, I thought that was worth sharing. So, um, the other thing I wanted to talk about was my own experiences with death over the course of my life. Um, 
I haven't had some grand tragedy. I haven't had some incident where, you know, there was a car accident and somebody close to me passed away or there hasn't been, for me, any kind of, um, you know, active shooter or somebody getting mugged or something like that where something bad happens. But, you know, (laughs) as my therapist will patiently tell me, that does not invalidate any of my feelings about uh, death and morbidity. But it's... For me, it helps me understand where I'm coming from with this. So this uh, this is a short list of experiences in my life that kind of help um, paint a broader picture of what my perspective on death is. So the first time that I think I recall being aware of death in a concrete finality sense was my great-grandmother passing away. I have um, pretty clear memories of walking up to the casket during the visitation. I don't remember the funeral. I don't remember much about the day, but I do remember being in the church and somebody holding my hand, my, my dad and my mom. Uh, I'm walking up to the casket and seeing Grandma T in there and saying goodbye. And I'd, I don't remember any particular feelings of like panic or cons- of, you know, like, oh no, death. It was more so concern of like, well, is she okay? But I was just too young to get it. You know, I was maybe, God, chronologically, I, I don't even know when this would have happened. Um, and my, it drives my family, drives my family nuts that I, I never know years or like when things happened, but it's because I was a child and not keeping a calendar. I don't know when things happened. I was a kid. So I don't know, two or three years old, but just understanding, oh, I think she's not okay and not coming back. Um, but then I, I remember playing with my cousins out in the, uh, they had a very small playground near the church that, uh, I don't, I don't even think that was where they interred her. I think that was just the church itself. Um, but, um, my first memorable reactions to it were just concerned that I hope she's okay. Um, the next thing that I can kind of point to would be my parents' cat, Jacob. I remember Jacob got sick and died, and we had another cat after that, PJ. Jacob was a nice cat, but he was not really my cat. He was my parents' cat, and, uh, he got sick, and I remember feeling bad for Jacob. I'm feeling bad for my parents for how sad they were about Jacob. He was a good cat. Um, and then our cat PJ, we had for a couple of years, she was an indoor cat and she got out and ran away. And I don't remember much of the story beyond that other than when she had been hit by a car, uh, fairly far away from our house, like more than a couple of blocks and my mom told me, you know, oh, they found they found PJ, and she'd she'd been hit by a car. She died, and I'm sorry. And I asked, well, where was she? And I don't remember what what the actual place was, but you know, my mom told me where this happened. <laughs> my first reaction was, well, what the hell was she doing over there? You know, like if she'd not gone over there, it wouldn't have happened. Like this was an avoidable thing, but I didn't understand. Animals don't have the same perspective we do. They don't make the same choices we do. She may have been looking for something, or she was just a cat out on the prowl. Who knows? Um, but that was, I think that was one of the first times I recall feeling frustration or 
anger, I guess, over death. Um, after that, there wasn't a lot that I recall in my own personal life for experiences. Um, although, so the first time I can point to where somebody that I knew that wasn't just an elderly relative passing away would have been um, a member of our church and uh, son of some family friends, uh, Chad, had leukemia. And he died. He died. Um, I remember the seriousness of when he was diagnosed and like it was a thing that adults talked about in hushed tones that um, Chad was sick and that he had a certain kind of cancer. He had blood cancer. Um, and I remember his parents talking about it and being open about their struggles with it, you know, as much as they would be in front of, a, of kids. You know, I was, I think I was 14 when he passed. Um, but he, uh, I remember a story his mom told about how when they first diagnosed him, he looked at his mom and said, Mom, am I going to die? And she said, no, no, you're not going to die. And then, you know, in a couple of years, he did. And it helped me understand that there's sadness and there's finality there, that His parents weren't lying to him. They were they were reassuring him. They were they were telling him it was going to be okay. And I've certainly had one perspective on that over the years. I mean, that was 15, 20 years ago. Um, but I remember going to his funeral and thinking how hard it must be for everybody in his family and how it didn't seem like him in the casket that I think cancer does hard things to a person and uh, I can't imagine now as a parent you know having to talk your child through that process and what they've gone through and uh, the the wound that, that that inflicts on your life that you have to work towards healing and then live with the scar and go on. But um, I remember, you know, being on the outside of the entirety of it and seeing how that affected them, and uh, I felt bad. I felt terrible. Uh, my own grandfather passed away around that same time, and uh, he'd had a very aggressive form of cancer, and... I hadn't really grasped how bad it was just because adults talking about other adults being sick is sometimes what adults do around kids and it it's one of those things where unlike say a divorce or uh, like legal stuff or crime adults don't shy away from talking about medical stuff around kids like because it's so abstract sometimes if you're talking about 
white blood cell counts and tests and stuff that I think that there's a a numbness and the comfort that adults have when discussing the information that they forget that children can hear it and um, might have questions about it. And I don't even really recall asking questions about my grandpa being sick, but it was cancer and it was aggressive and it was enough that I've told my own doctors about it just so that I'm being transparent and, you know, like this is my one grandfather passed away of this well before I was ever born, but then my other grandfather passed away from this, you know, as, you know, not in old age. Um, but I was going on a trip and uh, was leaving with some family when it was getting close to the end, and I remember being in a prayer circle around uh, around my grandpa. He, he ended up dying in the room he was born in, which I always thought was amazing. Um, but I said goodbye to him, and I remember him telling me that... Well, maybe I'll keep that for me. But uh, I just remember telling him I loved him and telling him goodbye. And, it, you know, goodbye in the sense of I'm leaving, but I knew he was leaving too. Um, and he did pass. Uh, he passed when we were gone, and... I remember being sad about it, but not cataclysmically, you know, not traumatically where it was wailing and gnashing teeth. It was just, this was a known thing that was going to happen. It was inevitable that, you know, once he started down this path that there was no other way past it, that everybody dies at some point. And he was sick and sick bad, and uh, sometimes you just don't get better. Um, so that was interesting. I, uh, <laughs> I remember being at his funeral and, uh, I think there were like, f there was a full pew of, there was a pew with the church full of all the grandkids, but the way the spacing and the timing worked out, the whole pew filled up. And then I had to go sit alone in the next pew <laughs> like it was the entire all the grandkids in one pew and then john in the next one and i remember feeling isolated and uh <laughs> my grandfather's friends sitting next to me then kind of talking to each other saying why is he sitting here by himself why don't they make room for him and uh my self-esteem was low enough at that point I was feeling bad enough that I didn't want to speak up and like make people move for me but like kind of remember having to just well this is what happens sometimes is that sometimes you're going to be on your own and not get exactly what you want and feeling bad about something but those are the way the the dice roll uh, sometimes you have to just be by yourself and be comfortable knowing that you're going to get through something on your own. I was a little older than that, and um, I remember looking at the, the there's a big picture window in our house. Um, I'll talk more about my house later, but um, I could see my neighbor's house. Um, my neighbor Ashley, she was the same age as me, lived on the next street, and I could see their front yard from our picture window and it was 
dark. It was nighttime, I think, in the spring. And suddenly there were flashing lights everywhere. And it had come to pass that uh, her dad had died of a heart attack pretty unexpectedly. I mean, from what I understand, he hadn't been a real avid health nut. I think he, the the shitty condescension that had gotten from other adults who were willing to talk about it said that he hadn't taken care of himself and so there wasn't exactly um, a benevolent expression from them, which I remember thinking, that sucks, uh, about those adults telling me that, like, that, that don't do that, don't, don't, don't put that stink on kids, but I felt bad for her, I felt bad for her family, and I watched this whole thing happen of, you know, paramedics coming and lights flashing and them bringing in a gurney and bringing out a gurney with somebody under a under a sheet or you know a blanket and you know it wasn't violent it wasn't terrifying it was just part of the process this kind of mysterious whirlwind of here they come here they go and they took somebody with them but uh, I went to the funeral and you know, express my condolences, and I felt bad. I just, I didn't want her to feel like she was the girl whose dad died for the rest of the time that I knew her through uh, high school. And I still, you know, if I think of her, I still think of that, and I, I know that she's got a, a full happy life well beyond that, but, um, you know, just sometimes you're just there to observe, and yeah, I don't know. Maybe I was just a morbid kid. Um, had another classmate whose older sister, um, she was in a car accident, I believe, but she'd she'd broken her leg, and somehow it was marrow or it was a clot. Something had gotten from her leg up to her heart and just randomly stopped her heart. And it was so surprising. I mean, it was kind of like a separate piece. Um, that book I read in English class, it seemed so Rube Goldberg-esque of just, wait a minute, so... She lived the car crash. She had a broken leg, and this rant, like her body, basically just like whoops. Um, it felt like a real shitty. That's not fair, you know. That's not what's supposed to happen. She's supposed to be okay. She's young, and she was. I didn't know her. Uh, it was frustrating to hear this about. That's just how life works sometimes, and. Again, I felt terrible, and I didn't want that to be her defining moment. But I just, I know that, yeah, I just, it felt like she got robbed. It just, it sucked all around. But that really brought out the the surprise element of it, the, the idea that it can just happen. You know, there's no guarantees about anything. Um, this wasn't long after... Columbine had happened. I remember seeing that on the news and then going and talking to my pastor about an unrelated thing, I think for like confirmation or something, when I was, you know, 14 years old or so, like 15. Um, and then the uh, 
the sister of the friend of mine that was uh, before 9-11, but kind of one, two, three, those three things all in a row, I think really, and not in a row, obviously, not in a condensed timeline, but like you look at how somebody formulates an understanding of death and you see um, random violence from these two kids shooting up a school and then uh, super random death of somebody from what should otherwise just be a completely treatable broken limb and then 9-11 of all things um my senior year of high school it was going into my senior year and that happened and that was like oh <laughs> we are gonna all graduate and then get drafted somehow like uh those three things kind of all I think gave a real sense of yeah anything can happen there's no guarantees about anything you can just you can do everything right and still just have the deck shuffled in a way that nope today you lose um and i'm not uh i'm not gonna attempt to begin to disassemble what all of that means and how in the world i'm supposed to digest something like uh, september 11th happening but i remember sitting in murtis mr murtis's math class and and an announcement came over the loud announcement came over the loudspeaker that we should all gather in the auditorium, and they were going to talk to us about it. And they were talking about the World Trade Centers, and uh, we just watched. They brought in a TV, and they just let us watch the coverage on a loop, basically. And it was like, holy shit! In hindsight, do not do that to kids. Uh, I seeing the footage now as an you know thirty five year old, I get sick seeing it just. I I was so in the throes of teenagerdom, like my head just pulsing with hormones and developmental um, neurochemicals, just becoming an adult and seeing this over and over again. I can't imagine what that did to my head, uh, let alone everybody else in the class too. Like it just, but this was not isolated. Everybody saw it. Everybody watched it over and over again. It's a weird moment a weird pinch point in shared cultural history that jesus i can't believe that that was <laughs> that's how we spent that morning um but i really i blocked a lot of that out or i just i don't know maybe i just didn't retain the memories but um yeah i just remember being confused a lot and not knowing what was going to happen um there was a dude in college who passed away, who died uh, completely randomly. Uh, I don't even remember. I don't remember his name. Andrew. Um, his heart just stopped. I don't. I don't remember what it was that killed him. It was. I, I understand he had a had a, a heart condition. I'm not even sure, but it was just freshman year of college, total fluke. Just went to bed, woke up dead. I don't remember what it was, but it was a real. Uh, intense moment for you know the dorm that I was in and the campus that I was on that um here was this person who everybody liked and enjoyed and uh just randomly died how do you deal with that and we all kind of told stories about the guy and kind of I don't know it was one of those first times dealing with death in a way that wasn't high school guidance counselors helping people walk through it um the other two things worth sharing I think about death in my own experience would be um when my dad's aunt louise passed away i was in the room when that happened um 
I was, I don't, man, was I 30 yet? I was, I might have still been in my late 20s. But, um, she was old and frail, and she just was, uh, dwindling, as some people say. And we just, we knew it was going to happen, and so my wife and I had, um, gone with my parents to stop in and say hello and kind of pay our last respects knowing that that she was not long for the world and uh you know she was close when we got there um but it just I don't see it as any kind of tragedy it just was a matter of fact of we were there with her and she was breathing and she took some deep breaths And then she stopped. And I remember my mom turning to the room and saying, I think she's gone. And everybody in the room kind of held their breath as we waited to see if she would breathe again. But that was it. She was gone. And it felt heavy and profound, but also natural. There was no crash cart. There was no trauma team coming in to save the day it was just this is what happens this is this is the end for some people you know there there's a beginning and we live our lives and then there's an end and we went out for coffee after that and we just kind of tried to digest what we'd just been through i mean nobody was expecting it like it would have been one thing to say all right, we're going to go say goodbye to Louise and just fair warning, she might die while we're there. Um, that was not the case. It was, let's just go say goodbye while you're here in town and uh, just you want to be sure. And holy shit, she died while we were there. Um, it felt heavy and profound, but not unnatural. You know, I just... I still, I mean, Louise and I were not close, but uh, she was a benevolent figure in my life and certainly my dad's and... Uh, It was just something that I really, it felt like seeing a private moment in person. You know, what, it it didn't feel intrusive, it just felt like I was seeing something rare, something that doesn't happen on a daily occurrence. I mean, I know it does, but to, to witness the event like that, to to see somebody take their breath and stop. Uh, Man. The other thing I would talk about that I think is worth sharing is my my mom's mom, uh, Lulu, as I called her. That was her family name for her. She was a character, and she and my mom had quite the relationship, but as I got older, I really came to understand her a lot better. And I remember saying goodbye to her, just stopping in to see her on the way out of town from Thanksgiving. Uh, my wife and I stopped in to say hello while she was sitting up in the sun and having coffee and just kind of chatting and all was well. And she kind of dismissed us saying, okay, well, you can go. And it was very much, I mean, that was just, as. Fran sitting and having her coffee wearing gold slippers. That's just what she did. Uh, it felt very normal. And then within uh, a couple weeks, 
she had just begun to really spiral and her body was just kind of shutting down. And um, I live uh, about 100 miles away from my parents and there was a bad snowstorm and it things came to a head and it became apparent that things were speeding up and that she wasn't going to be long. And this was at the same time a snowstorm was coming in. And I wanted to be there. And yet I remember talking with my dad that, you know, she wasn't the same at this point. She wasn't as coherent. Um, she was in some pain, but otherwise it was just hospice care. And, um, the, re the weather was really bad in Minnesota. At, for those that don't know, um, if you need to take a long road trip and the weather turns, it can be pretty treacherous. And I mean, it's not like you're going to get attacked by wolves, but like if you're on a stretch of highway and you go off the road, you can be stuck there and, you know, it could potentially be very bad scenario. Um, and so I talked with my dad about the logistics of how bad this blizzard was and how quickly Fran was passing and knowing that I didn't want to have resentment from either parents or my brothers, uh, wanted to have resentment from either parents or my brothers or anybody involved that, that I wasn't going to be there. But um, my mom held the phone up to Fran's ear and I got to say goodbye. And um, knowing what I know now about death, I do know that uh, from what I understand, hearing is one of the last things to go. And she was able to kind of um, let me know that she could hear me you know, she reacted to me on the phone. Um, but it was nice to be able to have said goodbye to her when she was sitting up doing what she normally wanted to do in the sun, you know, reading the paper and I think doing the crossword or something. And she dismissed us. And then I still got to say goodbye to her towards the end. But I don't know. I don't think there's a right way or a wrong way for this. But I didn't feel great about not being there. But I selfishly also like that my last memories of her are good and uh, sunny. Um, but that was something when she did pass that uh, I feel like I approached it from a fairly healthy standpoint. It was, you know... There's sadness there, and there's grief, and there's mourning, but those are not unnatural things. Those aren't things to be feared and brushed under the rug. They're things that they're part of the process, and I think it does people well to express those things and let them come as they do. So those are some of my um, kind of formative tales of death growing up that... Uh, I'm sure that they have impact on me in ways that aren't even apparent to me that um, you could write in and say, uh, you're clearly not dealing with this in this way because of X, Y, Z. Like I just, I might have no idea. Um, it's part of the reason I'm putting them out there is other people's perspective on them. If I expect people to come on and share this stuff, I better be ready to share my own stuff. But um, just wanted to be open and honest and share with everybody about my own experiences with death. Again, there's nothing horrendous or tragic there. It's just my interactions with death have been fairly straightforward. And um, 
not overly clinical or medicalized, but just part of the human experience that sometimes it's young people, sometimes it's old, sometimes it's random, sometimes it's you've been given a diagnosis and the end is two years away. Um, but it just, it informs the experience and how that affects me informs your experience listening to this. So, um, if you haven't turned it off by now, <laughs> thank you. But here, as a as a a reward for not turning it off at this point, I'll give you my two. Uh, well, one spooky story and the other background on my house. Um, so the house that I was raised in was this really old, weird Victorian house that, even when I was a kid, I think it was like a hundred years old. This old home that at one point had been split into a duplex and then rejoined back together. Um, I, I don't put much stock in ghosts or psychics or the paranormal. I'm fascinated by it. I love to get creeped out by it. I don't, I don't know. And I'm sure that'll change. Uh, but I sometimes would get the willies in the house or just, I don't know. As a kid, you haven't been told things are impossible yet. Um, I never saw anything that I can recall, but I know that my mom would tell me that it would be during the day. Me and my brothers were out or at school, you know, not in the house. My mom knew for a fact she was alone in the house and she would still hear very clearly footsteps. Uh, it was a very old house. It, it would creak and crack and groan. Um, I know what a house settling sounds like. I have my own house now. Humble brag. Hashtag humble groan. Uh, groaning house. But that just always kind of spooked me to know that like, oh, so you were hearing stuff in a house that I was growing up in that uh, maybe we don't talk about this. I think my older brother at one point had mentioned he saw something coming up the stairs. But... Um, I've never really got him to talk much more about that. So if you're listening, I want to hear more. Um, but my my the worst I've gotten spooked ever, um, I've kind of alluded to it on the podcast before, is when my wife and I were looking for our first house, which ended up being this house. One of the houses we looked at, um, we walked into it with our realtors who had mercifully not fired us because we were looking at like 50 houses. We put them through the ringer and I'm sorry, Ginny and Margo, I'm sorry. Um, we walked into this house and it just felt like drowning. It felt like there was just this thick electrical omnipresent sickness, uh, hanging in the air. And seemingly I was the only one affected by it. Maybe it was just my, neurochemicals for the day and I suddenly needed sugar or <laughs> caffeine or God knows what, but suddenly I felt like I was dying. Uh, it reminded me of the experience of my brother putting me in the chokehold and I didn't know what to make of it. And I know that I'm a person with a lot of anxiety and dread, but this felt different. This felt like it was not me. This felt like it was coming from external and I, I don't know what it was, but as we looked around this house, the agents and my wife loved it. They thought it was great. 
and they wanted to potentially make an offer and I just had to get really weird and put my foot down. <laughs> like, I don't, I, we walked around the house and I think it was like a, a temporary living situation because it just seemed like there was just kind of stuff weirdly thrown about in a kind of haphazard way. Like there were kids toys but they were all just kind of chaotically thrown around and there was the occasional hole in the drywall like it just something felt off like the the color and the light just felt wrong I don't know what it was and maybe I don't know maybe it was like synesthesia of some kind coming in I don't know I don't know I don't know what it was but I just I felt very much in danger like all of my alarm bells my spidey sense was going off and I just I had to leave and I basically just, I walked out of the house and my wife followed me saying, what was that about? Are you okay? I said, I just, we, we can never come back here. I don't ever want to set foot in this house again. Please take this off the list. This is not to be <laughs> one of the ones that we're considering. And that's, I've never had anything like that happen again. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I've had similar things happen. I've had a similar disorienting experience walking into a thrift store full of, old antiques um in hopkins actually if anybody in minnesota is listening to this particular antique store next to baby grand in hopkins um i had a real overwhelming sense of i don't know similar external coming in um so if there's a psychic out there let's talk about that um but those are my two real kind of those are my paranormal experiences anyway I don't know if that counts as much, but um, you've made it to the end of this. Uh, I want to say thank you for listening, and uh, stay tuned for next week. We'll have a guest back on. We'll get back to the process of having people in to talk, but I just I wanted to take a time to share my personal experience and share a bit about myself in a way that might not otherwise come up organically. So thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Um, Thoughts, comments, questions, concerns, criticism, you're dead too at Gmail, you're dead too on Twitter and Instagram. Find us, we're out there. If you've got recommendations for who to have on, I would love to hear more. If you have information you'd want to get out to people, send it in. I'll read it on there. I hope all is well. Take care.